Welcome to the Books and Bites podcast. Each month, we bring you book recommendations and discuss the bites and beverages to pair with them. I'm Carrie Green, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Michael Cunningham and Adam Wheeler. Hello. Hello. So we are back with one episode of Books and Bites. Yeah, knocking it back to the old school method. I think it'll work out good. Yeah, we uh, we were having trouble with our timings and didn't didn't really hear from anyone. So so we're gonna mm. stick with what works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so on this episode, we're discussing the fifth prompt on the Books and Bites challenge: books in genres we don't typically read. And this particular prompt is a little different than the other prompts because it's going to be so individual. Um, but I also think it's a particularly exciting challenge because it allows you to really get out of your reading box. What do you all think? Yeah, I think I think it's definitely a, a difficult one. Uh, and I was nervous about it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Coming up to this, like I don't want to read something that I don't normally read because I don't enjoy it. But uh, honestly, I kind of bent the... Oh, what a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so my first pick is a comic. So that's something that I think Adam normally does. Yeah. Uh, So... For comics fans, I'm picking that one up. Um, And I do enjoy comics, but I just don't typically read them very often. I gotcha. And this one is kind of a, it's a DC comic. And I don't know, typically the ones I read are more like kind of literary graphic novels rather than like a comic book issue. Um, mm. But I really enjoyed it. Um, it was, it's called Represent. It, the series is called Represent. And the issue that I read is called It's a Bird. And it's um, the first issue in this series. And it just came out um, in 2020. And you may remember the writer from news reports last summer following a racist incident he experienced. Christian Cooper, who is black, was birdwatching in Central Park when he asked Amy Cooper, a white woman of no relation, to follow park regulations and leash her dog. She not only refused, she called the police, telling them that an African-American man was threatening her. Before becoming a science writer, Cooper was the first openly gay writer for DC Comics. The publishing company requested that he write this issue, and Cooper responded with a brief but powerful comic book. It's a Bird is about a teenager named Jules who is going birdwatching in his leafy suburb. On his way out the door, his father gives him a pair of binoculars, saying the boy's grandfather believed they had special powers. Jules is doubtful, but he takes them anyway. When he first looks through the binoculars, he sees a scarlet tanager through the left lens, but he is surprised to also see the ghost of Amadou Diallo, a black man who was shot and killed by police, through the right lens. Each time Jules sees a bird through the binoculars, 
he sees another victim of police violence. When he sees a bluebird, he sees Breonna Taylor. When he sees a yellow warbler, he sees George Floyd. The illustrations by Aletha Martinez are beautiful and haunting. Birds are often associated with heaven and the afterlife, and Martinez's drawings of Diallo, Taylor, and Floyd, paired with birds, makes that connection clear without being too obvious. Martinez also does a great job of conveying Jules' emotions with her illustrations, especially when he experiences racist incidents himself. I don't want to give away the entire plot of It's a Bird, so let's just say that I found the final panel to be both satisfying and moving. It's a Bird made me see police violence and the pervasiveness of racism in a whole new way. Whether you read comics regularly or rarely, I recommend checking it out. It's available on Kentucky Libraries Unbound or the Libby app. The next time you go bird watching, pack an easy travel snack to keep you fortified. Janae Claiborne, author of the cookbook Sweet Potato Soul, offers several vegan travel snacks on her website. I'm especially interested in the sticky nut bars, which include lots of hearty nuts, plus some cocoa nibs and goji berries for sweetness. We'll link to the recipes on our blog. That sounds like a really interesting one. Um, Just side note for anyone who, you know, for any reason is just not able to get their hands on a library card at this time. I do believe that first first issue is uh, free to read on DC's website. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, I think on several different online comic platforms, it's available. Gotcha. You know, what I am really curious about is what what the plot is. Like, what what do they do with these binoculars once they figure out what the binoculars do? Like, if it, it shows you really um, dark bits of recent history and... I'm just kind of curious where they go with that. Well, um, yeah, I, it's a really short comic, so um, I would recommend checking it out <laughs> to find out because I don't want to give away everything. All right. That's <laughs> I typically don't read much nonfiction, and this year, this sort of New Year's resolution, I wanted to challenge myself to read more of it. So my suggestion this month, and it might be a tad bit of a cop-out for me, is a true crime novel, American Predator, The Hunt for the Most Meticulous Serial Killer of the 21st Century by Maureen Callahan. This is only the second true crime book I've read in a long, long time. This book details the hunt for probably the scariest serial killer you've never heard of, Israel Keys. In February of 2012, in Anchorage, Alaska, Samantha Koenig was abducted at night from her coffee stand. The police weren't sure what to think. Some thought the father and possibly the boyfriend were part of it, especially since the father had a shady reputation and dealings with the Anchorage underworld. They finally got a ransom note and photo of proof of life stuck at, to a community board near a trailhead. He demanded that money be put in the bank so he could use the ATM card he had taken from boyfriend's truck, which he had snuck back to her house to get after abducting Samantha. Now with the FBI involved, they started tracking the card. 
It was used a few times in Anchorage, then it stopped. Then after some time, the police got a break. It had been used again, but this time in Arizona. They tracked it again to being used in Texas. Now, with the Texas Rangers involved, they spotted his car, which just so happened to be the most rented car in the United States. With a bolo or be on the lookout issued, a patrolman spotted the make and model in a motel, just by chance. They waited for him to leave. Trailing him, they decided to pull him over when he accelerated past the speed limit. The driver had an Alaskan driver's license and had an unusual name. Uh, he had a lot to tell the police, FBI, and U.S. attorneys involved in the case uh, that went way beyond the abduction of Samantha. Like his kill kits he had buried around the United States. His level of detail and patterns that law enforcement had never seen before, all while trying to piece together what was a lie and what was the truth. This book reads like a thriller. It follows the efforts of law enforcement to hunt down Samantha's abductor and the capture of Israel Keys. Most of the book details his interrogation to find out what kind of monster they had on their hands and the extent of his crimes that stretched across the entire United States. So if you're a fan of true crime or looking to try it out, this would be a great place to start. So I pair this with Unibrow's Madit, a dark amber ale inspired by the Belgian double style ales. Madit, French for the damned, has notes of bready malt, caramelized sugar, plums, and marmalade, with spices like coriander and clove on the nose. If you like to enjoy it with food, it pairs great with steak, pulled pork, grilled fish, and most spicy dishes. It even stands up to wash rind cheeses like Roquefort and Stilton. That sounds good. So do you think it's scarier to read a true crime novel? Yes. Or? Uh, the other one I read last year was um, uh, the uh, one about the Golden State Killer. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the name of it now. Uh yeah, I know the one you're talking about, but I don't I don't know the name of it either. I'll be gone in the dark. I think it's what it's called. Um, that that one terrified me. <laughs> I mean, because like him, he just chose people random and houses at random. So like at night after I read it, I go check the doors. <laughs> so yeah, in this one, yeah, because like fiction, you like you know. You can kind of forget about it as fiction. But mm -hmm. this, this stuff really happened. And you're yeah. like, monsters are out there like that. Yeah. Monsters are the real people. No, it's backwards. People are the real monsters. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> did, you, uh, did, you, did you say something about... I, I remember you mentioning Kill Kits. Was that in the podcast so far? Or is that just something you mentioned to us outside? No, I, yeah, he did. He went around... In very kill kits across the U.S. Creepy. And he would drive thousands of miles to get to him and then go pick out a victim with him. And they're still out there. I mean, he lied to the police. They don't know what's true and what's, what was a lie. I mean, they, they I think, have three confirmed, but they could, they could be all kinds. They have several. In the book, there's, there's several that they... That sound like it could have been Israel Keys, victims of Israel Keys, people that went missing. But, I mean, there's no telling to this guy. It is creepy to think about. There could be a, there could be a bucket full of murder yeah. supplies in your backyard, <laughs> and it's just waiting for you. Yeah. You or, have no idea. Yeah, National Park. So if you find one. Call the yeah. FBI. 
Yeah. Have yourself a beer and then call the FBI. <laughs> However, I think the most important question I have, and I really hope the book addressed this, is what was his favorite type of cereal <laughs> as a cereal killer? They did not address that, but they did address his favorite kind of coffee. Oh, hey, that's something. It gives us a clue. <laughs> Which was Americano. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, if you live with someone who drinks Americano, <laughs> then be wary of them. They might have a, they might have a kill kit for you. Okay, so... I said that I bent the rules a little bit, and to an extent, yeah, but what I did pick was nonfiction, YA, well, YA nonfiction, readers, readers edition stuff. I don't usually, if I read nonfiction, it's not usually YA, it's usually adult nonfiction. Um, however, <laughs> I do usually stick to like sociology kind of subjects, which is what this is, <laughs> but I also just don't read much nonfiction, so. Whatever. That's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Don't come for me. Um, <laughs> so, everything you wanted to know about Indians but were afraid to ask, Young Reader's Edition by Anton Troyer is an introduction to the history, sociology, and lives of Native Americans. Uh, Troyer has channeled his extensive academic knowledge to create an accessible body of information for teen readers. While the content doesn't shy away from extremely dark chapters of American history, like, <laughs> I had no idea some of the really awful things that happened. We just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Troyer finds a way to balance both heavy and light, sometimes even humorous content, in a way that teens and adults can appreciate. So you're not going to be reading through it and just be bogged down by, like, oh, my God, this is all so terrible, uh, which, you know, parts of it are. <laughs> but you'll have something to help pull you through. You'll keep going. Um, Troyer acknowledges that he can't speak for all Native Americans, so bear in mind while reading that different tribes or individuals may interpret historical events differently. Uh, Regional groups may prefer different terminology, and cultures may vary dramatically. Uh, We might start by looking at the book's title. Troyer has used the term Indians, which came from Christopher Columbus, incorrectly believing... Um, he landed in India when he, uh, quote, discovered America. Um, huh. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the words root and error, it's still used in some cases by natives and non-natives. Troyer also makes a point to use many different terms throughout the book to reflect the varied nature with which Native Americans may refer to themselves. Uh, there's a lot of valuable information in this book, uh, much of which uh, was new to me entirely or brought new perspectives to what I'd been taught. Reading nonfiction is not my go-to genre, and summarizing nonfiction is definitely not in my usual wheelhouse. Um, maybe the best introduction to the book would be a story shared in the... Who'd have guessed it? The introduction. Uh, if I'm recalling correctly, Troyer received a written invitation to a Native American ceremony from an unknown person. Uh, <laughs> that person was using a, a Native American name. Well, Troyer drove out to the disclosed location with not just a little apprehension. Um, Carrie and Michael, would you like to take a guess at what he might have seen? 
after driving out to see a Native American ceremony that he was invited to? If not, it's still equal. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. All right. It's all right. I'm just making suspense because this is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he saw a bunch of naked white people out in the woods at oh, night. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, an older woman apologized to him for what white people had done to Native Americans. Um after quickly sorting through understandable feelings of anger, fear, and definitely amusement, uh, he asked her to please put on some clothes and <laughs> then had a heart-to-heart conversation. Between this event and many other experiences, Troyer came to an understanding that Native Americans are more often imagined than they are understood, and progress can only really come from communication and education. So be a part of that progress by reading everything you wanted to know about Indians but were afraid to ask. Um, yeah. Um, Troyer's background is with the Ojibwe, who harvested wild rice as part of their regular agricultural practices. So get cozy with a warm bowl of maple-sweetened wild rice pudding from the Sioux Chef's Indigenous Kitchen by Sean Sherman and Beth Dooley. Yeah, well... Um... I have lots of questions about your book. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to answer them. I don't it's retain so- <laughs> that much information, though. It sound, I mean, it sounds like a good way. Yeah. Like you said, sometimes that history can be really overwhelming mm-hmm. because there's so much bad stuff in it. Um, so that sounds like a good way of like being able to process the bad along with. Yeah, there's a little bit of humor. There's also balancing talking about uh, the achievements of Native Americans mm-hmm. and uh, the positive points of their society. So like everything's balanced. To as much as it can be. Like, you can only balance so much when it comes to, you know, colonizing. That's not really balanced in any way. And I'm just curious, did he have a preferred term? (sighs) You know, he talked a lot about the different ones and how they're used in different situations. I don't recall if he had a preferred term himself. Mm -hmm. And um, I, we have talked about that book um the cookbook before on books and bites and it is there are some really amazing looking recipes in there um Mm -hmm. i haven't actually tried any myself but it's one of those cookbooks that's just fun to read yeah a lot of good options in there for sure Okay, so my next book is The Flat Share by Beth O'Leary, and it's actually a romance. And like many people, when I think of the romance genre, I tend to think of those classic bodice rippers that you see on the shelves. Um, Maybe something with a man in a Scottish kilt, but no shirt on, something like that. Fabio. But there is a lot of variety within the genre, and this romantic comedy appealed to me much more than I would have expected. Reviewers have compared the flat share to the work of Jojo Moyes, Helen Fielding, and even Jane Austen. I know she's a particular favorite of Adam's. So favorite. I'm so glad. In the novel, two strangers, Tiffy and Leon, are not only sharing a flat, but also a bed. 
Since Tiffy works days as an assistant editor on DIY books and Leon works nights as a hospice nurse, they'll be using the flat at opposite ends of the day. They never even have to meet, or so the thinking goes, especially when Leon's girlfriend forbids it. Naturally, hijinks ensue. The book is told in both characters' points of view in alternating chapters. Both Tiffy and Leon have their own baggage. Tiffy, an emotionally abusive ex-boyfriend. Leon, a brother who's been wrongly convicted of armed robbery. I thoroughly enjoyed the audiobook version I listened to. It was voiced by two different narrators with two equally charming accents. Tiffy is English and Leon is Irish. Like romantic comedy movies, the fun of this book is in seeing how Tiffy and Leon get together. Though there are some sexy scenes, it's definitely not explicitly sexual. There are places where you have to suspend your disbelief. And I found the damsel in distress moments a bit irritating, especially when Leon rescues Tiffy from near drowning. But overall, this is a witty and uplifting tale that boosted my mood during my commute. Did you say suspended belief in a romance novel? <laughs> Never. I, know, I suppose I, I should have expected that with the genre. <laughs> yeah. <huh? laughs> Another genre I don't read much is fantasy. Except for George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and Harry Potter. I mostly shot away from it. However, I recently read Ring Shout by P. Jelly Clark. This short but powerful novella tells the story of an alternate reality where the release of D.W. Griffith's film, The Birth of a Nation, was actually a ritual that released things called Ku Kluxes, pointy-headed demons into the world. <laughs> the story set in Macon, Georgia, follows Maurice Boudreaux, a narrator who wields a powerful magical sword along with their band of monster hunters as they try to stop the clan from ushering in the apocalypse. This is a compelling story with strong female characters that reckon with our nation's Jim Crow past. So if you enjoy adventure stories with action and monsters, or you're a fan of the television shows like uh, HBO's Lovecraft Country or The Watchmen, add this to your TBR. I don't know why, but I keep picturing... uh... We might want to edit this out. I don't know. I keep picturing, like, clan members running around and the Benny Hill song is playing. Sorry. It sounds really interesting, though. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Shape-shifting, pointy head, I mean, <laughs> demons. And they try to as it, usher in the Grand Cyclops, which is like a giant monster on top of a stone mountain. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's real it's a really compelling fun quick read. So it wasn't I mean, I started laughing when you first started describing it because it sounds kind of comical, <laughs> but it wasn't intended that way. No. No. Um they're like yeah, they 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 look they that like shape shifting and I, I there's only a few people that can that have the sight, that can see them in the true form. Mm-hmm. And so Maurice is one that can actually see them in their true form, which is these pointy, white, pointy-headed, all-white demon creatures. 
That looks just like clan members. <laughs> Interesting. I have a completely irrelevant tangent to that, if that's okay. Sure. Did, yeah, it just popped in my head because you said George R. R. Martin and this is what was the title of this book again? The George R. R. Martin? No, the one that you that you oh, just talked about. Ring Shout. Ring Shout, yeah. So it has a ring in the yeah. title. <laughs> so George R. R. Martin got uh added on to uh write the story for a game that's coming out called Elden Ring. And it's gonna be a big open world really? video game. Yeah, by the people who did like Dark Souls and stuff. Uh-huh. Which would be really hard. This is a, a video game that's yeah. coming out? Mm-hmm. Well, I might have to play that. Because, like, I, yeah, I don't read. I've always kind of shied away from it because I always thought, you know, elves and wizards and dwarves, not really my thing, but, you know, like the realistic stuff, like, you know, Game of Thrones. I got really sucked into that. And back in the day, mm-hmm. Harry Potter, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which does have dragons and elves and all that. But, like,. Yeah, fantasy can be really varied. It's not oh, yeah. all just it's, like high yeah. fantasy. I mean, and... Lord of the Rings didn't really care for. Yeah. But yeah, some of it is. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a good point to make about any genre yeah, is that there's... there's a lot of variety. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm like you. I don't really like high fantasy, especially yeah. when you feel like you have to learn a language in order yeah. <laughs> to read the book. Yeah. Um, but when it's like based in reality or just kind of drops you into a world where fantastic things happen that's a little more my speed get sucked into it you're like all about it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so this is admittedly a children's book but it's in a fun format And it's still a book that I wouldn't typically read, so it counts. I don't need any sass about that. Um, You were expecting sass? (laughs) Maybe a little. (laughs) Maybe. Um, So what I did was I dialed 859-885-7234. And our friendly children's programmer, Kate, or a a recording of Kate more so, uh, listed options for age ranges or for poems. Uh, I picked the older children category and listened in on a recording of Kate reading chicks and salsa by Aaron Reynolds. Um, (laughs) I'm not ashamed to say that as an adult, I enjoyed this story time for one by phone. Um, I cracked a number of smiles and a few chuckles listening to the story of how chickens prepared for a Southwestern feast, even though no one knows how the chickens learned to cook or read. Um, the story options do change, uh, but I highly encourage our listeners to give the story phone a go while it's offered. Treat your inner child. Um, again, the number to call is 859-885-7234. That sounds like a great suggestion. I may try it myself. It is. It's really, it can be kind of up- uplifting if you're feeling really bummed and like, oh my God, I'm so sick of dealing with all this stuff. You just call and listen to a nice children's story and no one has to even know you're doing it and it's just a fun little thing. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter might like to try that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess people who have kids yeah. would also find a value in that. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you like uh um, animals that like Mexican food, I would suggest that uh, dragons love tacos. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Dragons Love Tacos too, it's sequel. 
I don't want tacos. I think you would enjoy that. It's <laughs> they're very good. Yeah, that's all. That's it. It sounds. It sounds a lot. Uh, well, you guys are probably too young for this, but you used to like be able to call a phone number to get the weather report <laughs> for the day. Oh God! <laughs> so it reminds me a little bit of that. <laughs> I just assume people got it from like the newspaper and in the TV channels for news. I don't remember calling the theater for movie times. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, they go through them all. And like, I missed it, so I had to call again. And <laughs> that was the only way to get movie times back in the day. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if I ever did that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Books and Bites podcast. Don't forget to submit your entry into this month's Books and Bites challenge for a chance to win a $25 gift card to Joseph Beth Booksellers. For more information or to submit your entry, visit our website at jesspublib.org slash books hyphen bites. Our theme song is The Breakers by Scott Whitten from his album In Close Quarters with the Enemy. You can find out more about Scott and his music on his website, adoreforadesk.com.